Hello, beautiful people. My name is Mitchell, and this is the Back to the Present podcast, where I sit down and discuss this roller coaster we call life with people of all different smells and smiles. On today's episode of the podcast, we have Jator Pierre, who is, amongst other things, a holistic health coach who focuses on emotional trauma, disorders, and pain. Jator is passionate about the bigger picture and dedicated to curiosity. As you'll hear in our podcast, Jator is very good at saying what he means and mean what he says, which I believe is a superpower in this day and age. <laughs> How are you, Jator? It's a good question. Um, <laughs> How am I? Yeah, I feel excitement, maybe some nervousness, mm, joy. Yeah, I'm ready ready to share what's on my mind and heart today and see where we go. Thank you. Thanks, thanks for um thanks for uh making it evident as to what I said in the introduction. Um <laughs> I think, uh, I think, I, I, I don't, I mean, it, it almost sounds a little cliche that I said there's a superpower in the way that I feel you conduct yourself and ex- explain things, but I really do. I only know a few people that can do it um, anywhere near as well as you can of, of the podcast and things that I've heard you speak. And I, I really do think it's so important for everybody to be able to come to that place where we're not just saying things for the sake of it and we're actually saying what's on you know on in in our hearts as well as in our minds so um yeah i'm i'm, I'm all of those things too it sounded like you're explaining what i what i was feeling as well. <laughs> um, which is cool uh to kick it off just for people that um don't know who you are maybe just a, a short explanation as to how you've got where you are at the moment and um what you're doing with yourself at the moment please <clears throat> Yeah, what a question. Hmm. Uh, who am I at the moment? Is that the first part of the question? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Perfect. Uh, let's see. I am uh, recongealed. Uh, about 10 months ago, my life took a, a pretty, I'm going to say tragic, tragic turn at least in terms of how I experienced it and uh, business relationship finances uh, country etc all kind of blew up and for the last 10 months or so I've been in a deep process of feeling all of that and processing all of that and slowly putting Humpty back together again and so who do I feel like I am today? I feel grounded, heartfelt, clear, concise. Uh, I'd be lying if I said uh, I'm super excited about 2023. I think a, a part of me is excited about it. I also know really intently what the grind is like to get back to where I was. And 
there's definitely a part of me that is a little apprehensive and curious if I, if I have the fortitude and motivation to get back to that grind to the level that I was at. That's honest. Yeah. Appreciate that. Um, so Humpty's back together again in a new way and deciding what paths he wants to take. It's kind of weird to talk about yourself in third person. So I'll, I'll switch back to normal. Uh, I'm deciding <laughs> what path I want to take. And I'm curious. I'm curious as to what 2023 uh, takes me. And, you know, how I got here is uh, I got curious about psychology when I was 23. And I haven't been able to shake that curiosity since and have been diving into it and studying it, experiencing it, coaching, practicing uh, since then. And it, it, it really informs who I've become and it definitely informs my uh, curiosity of life and the discovery process and continuing, I think, past 2023 to, to recongeal uh, one piece at a time and, and see where I end up in the next 45 years. Yeah, that, that's awesome. <laughs> I, I appreciate that a lot. I love the, I love analogies. I think that's a great, I think that's a good analogy as well. Um, I, I hear in your voice, like there's, um, as you already said before about being excited and all those types of things, there also doesn't seem to be a lot of pressure on that reconstruction of, of Humpty Dumpty, um, which I suppose going through what seems to be, well, we all go through similar experiences. Um, I, I do feel it helped me and still helps me to this day, not having too much pressure on and um, not too much focus necessarily on the outcome per se, putting too much pressure on that outcome. So um, yeah, it seems, it seems very exciting. Um, the other thing that you mentioned, which is similar to myself, is is this 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 mad curiosity um, that you come about when you're about 23. I, I feel like that was sort of a similar age to myself. Um, I'm I'm only 34, but it, it was about it was about then when I was then I'd started sort of physical training and all that kind of stuff and coming out of my own party party scene and things like that, which was which was fun, fun in a different way. Um, this, the, the curiosity element to it, it's very, um, the way I often explain it and think about it is that it's, it's pretty similar to that of like just a child, um, a, a small child. They often seem to be naturally curious. Um, and um, I do think that it, um, it has lots of benefits. With your curiosity, you said it at around twenty-three. Um, was there a was there a moment in like a, a, a set of events that started that curiosity, or, or did it? Do you just find that it was around that time that, for for an unknown reason, or I suppose you, you just started to become more curious than you already were? Hmm. Yeah, uh, when I was twenty-three-ish, I went to my first uh, Vipassana retreat, and that was a you know ten-day silent meditation. My dad has been into that since I was a kid. Okay. And um, while there, 
I had some pretty profound experiences uh, about myself and uh, my own internal experience, which became a, a lot more apparent being in a, in a silent retreat. And there were some moments at the end of the retreat uh, that uh, really represented kindness between human beings and mm, empathy and understanding that uh, my experience out there in the world is, let's just say, lacking at best. And that really sparked my curiousness around uh, this kaleidoscope inside of me that had been unexplored until that point. I became really curious as to why I do what I do or the words that I choose or the actions that I take or the situations that I found myself in. Uh, or the people I surround myself with. And I became really curious as to, yeah, this internal, beautiful, unexplored ocean inside of me that I didn't, I think in some regard I knew was there, but I didn't know the capacity to which it was endless and a... an explorer to find islands in myself that that were unmapped and uncharted. So like I jumped in a boat and got in the ocean and just started to catch wind. And where is this going to take me? What new worlds is this going to take me to? And that curiousness continued to grow and it continued to grow into a place of uh, getting deeply into psychology, as I said, and also self-work but really self-exploration because my driving force to get into self-work or self-exploration or discovery was never driven by a sense of something was wrong with me or there was something I needed to fix or I needed to be better at something. It was purely driven by this, uh, well, at the time, it was purely driven by the need to meet my dad's need to go to Vipassana to represent what I needed to be to my dad so I can get his attention, uh, so I could get his affirmation and acknowledgement, and so I could continue to be the golden boy in my family. And that's where my dive into self came from. Um, and so in my experience of a lot of people who get into psychology or shadow work or inner child work um, or self-help, it typically comes from a place of there, there, there's something that needs to be fixed or something wrong with me. How do I address this issue that's inside of me? Um, and that often can uh, perpetuate a deeper stream of shame and fear and a deeper uh, recapitulation of that same issue. Uh, this isn't a spiel about I'm perfect. It's a spiel of my process into getting into exploring myself didn't come from I thought something was wrong. It was I needed to meet my dad's, my perceived needs of my dad. Yeah. Uh, which I didn't find till 
I was 35, quite interestingly. Yeah, that's that's awesome, man. I think um, I know. I know for myself, I'm, I'm the a little bit on the other side where I coming into the you know the self help space. Mm -hmm. Um, it was um, a, a lot of that part of me was thinking that there was something wrong. It's only really been the last two, three years that I've realized that there is obviously there's nothing wrong with, there's nothing wrong with anybody. And um, since, since having that realization, that was um, funnily enough, as you said, I've always been curious, um, but it, it, it sparked a, a somewhat of a different curious part of, part of me where I was able to sort of, um, and am still learning to just accept who I am. And then that curiosity has allowed me to have um, that deeper curiosity within myself, as opposed to looking for external answers and things like that, um, which is interesting. So no, I appreciate that. Thanks. Thanks for the story. Um, I appreciate what you said about um, the curiosity and, and children. Um, I've had that same experience too. Um, having a stepdaughter of my own at a point in my life and really uh, from my perspective, my own work with myself, my work with clients is essentially helping us remember that, that we, we can get back to that place. We can get back to that childlike curiosity of life. We can get back to imagination and mystery and, um, that often that is pinned at some point in our life by an experience or experiences of the outside world. And we lose sight of the grandeur of life and how beautiful it can be. And that there's so much beauty and mystery and in playfulness and curiosity about the outside world as well as about ourselves. And my experience is that when we lose that, perspective is when we become very we lose our child likeness and we become very childish and you know act out from that place yeah the uh the tantrum of a of a three-year-old is often what i see acted out on a global stage as well as in homes relationships my clients um and I can't deny that sometimes I will act out uh, childish behavior as well. And, and that's also still my work to learn about those aspects of myself that are uh, still holding perceived wounds or perceived trauma or pain or shame or fear that, mm, uh, that I act out behaviors to protect those parts still it's become less frequent over the years and yet uh, it's still there. And, and when I say it's still there, I mean, it's okay that it's still there. It's a, it's a process for me. And I, I don't have a desire to get to uh, a crossing line. I have a desire to continue to explore and, and sail those oceans of myself. Yeah. Uh, it's, that's beautifully put because I'm, I'm I'm finding myself coming into a very similar situation, like I said before, about the outcome and stuff like that, and very much just allowing myself to um, truly be okay with where I'm at now, which is um, incredibly powerful. And I imagine um, 
you see that a lot in your clients and things like that and trying to get them back to that place like you said of of curiosity um so um the first thing i wanted to ask you just all was in regards to our surrounding environments um i heard you speak i don't know if you were in the netherlands but you were somewhere where you went somewhat recently you noticed how things were done certain uh, slightly different to what you used to back home in america and things like that and the impact that had on you um so fr from your perspective um originally i just wanted to touch on the surrounding external surrounding environments but um and i still would appreciate your thoughts on that and also maybe add in what that those surrounding environments um do to our internal environment if you could mm. yeah so i think the um experience that you heard me speak of was uh about four years ago i moved to denmark yes okay yep yeah. thank you yep and <clears throat> oh I'm, that experience was profound and it was profound in the sense of uh with the amount of self-exploration uh, that I've done from, from a very arrogant place, um, there is, I, I was surprised to see how many tethers were created in my original environment. So the environment in which I left, the, the Bay Area, which I grew up in, and then moved to Denmark, when I first got to Denmark, I was shocked to see how many tethers of uh, behavior were still needing to be acted out in Denmark, even though I was in a new environment, right? The, the kind of the cliche saying of no matter where you go, there you are, which I agree that that statement is true to a certain extent. And then in my further experience in Denmark, I also disagree with that statement. And I think it's true that uh, no matter where you go, there you are in the sense of what's held in our, our subconscious and what's held in our conscious and, and what's held in our unconscious. And I believe that will act itself out if there isn't intervention, if there is an intervention into looking into old behaviors, looking into the the tethering from the old place that you came, inclusive of your history, and how that has informed who you are and how you act. And when you go to a new environment, like going to Denmark, uh, there's opportunity there for you to act out in new ways if you go back and look at the old ways that you're acting and then with consciousness, invite yourself to act out differently in this new environment, which the external environment can support the internal environment to change because it's different. Yep. It's different in the sense when I went to Denmark, when I first got there, I literally felt like a three-year-old. I didn't know the language. I didn't know the money. I didn't know how to get around. I didn't know organic food at, at the grocery store. Every aspect of my life that was safe and secure back in the States 
and how I created all that safety and security and that predictability was blown up when I moved to Denmark. And so I noticed that it was blown up in Denmark. I noticed that I didn't have the same uh, tethers, as I said earlier. And that gave me opportunity to ask myself, how do I want to be different in this environment? Because I'm literally three. I can grow myself up again. And so one of the most interesting things about my experience in Scandinavia in terms of the difference between the States and Scandinavia is it's much more peaceful in Scandinavia. It's much more even in terms of monetary mm, success. The discrepancy between those that have and those that have not in terms of finances is, is much tighter. It's not so widespread. And in my experience of that, that creates an environment in which there's much less people deeply in survival from a financial place, which then my guess would be there's less crime, there's less violence, there's less, there's less things to worry about when I was walking around the streets of Denmark, uh, when I would go to uh, what they consider their ghettos, to me, that was like a middle-class neighborhood. <laughs> and so the interesting thing being, being there in that environment, I noticed, I started to notice that I also, back in the States, I had this peripheral protection system on at all times. When I was walking down the streets of San Francisco, or walking through Oakland, my periphery was always on. Uh, who's coming down the street? Who's behind me? Where am I parking my car? Is all my stuff out of my car? Somebody going to break into my car? Somebody going to rob me when I'm walking down the street? Not to paint this terrible picture of the United States, and yet <laughs> there's some pretty rough parts of the United States in which these type of things occur on a daily basis. And so being in Denmark and losing that experience, I noticed some really interesting things, which were one of those things was I missed that experience. I missed the tension. I missed the, the violence. I missed the, that part of me being on, which was really interesting to notice. Um, the other thing I noticed is as I, became more accepting of the change in the environment, I also started to notice that since my periphery wasn't so turned on in terms of protection or safety, that a lot of that energy that was being diverted to safety was then moved into other places inside of me to be used in other ways. Um, my production in terms of uh, coaching and putting out programs took three or four or five ticks higher than it had ever been. And my guess in some regards, because I didn't have that external environment that was in some regard unsafe, siphoning off different energy, uh, that that energy now could be used to put into my creative process and get more things out in terms of what I produce in the world and, and how I put food on the table. And so there's a really interesting paradox that comes up, which is 
our external environment is in part a direct reflection of our internal environment. And what I mean by that statement is it's not so much that we literally create our external environment, although in some regard that is true. Yeah. Um, it's, it's more so the external environment is like a canvas, uh, a painted canvas with trees and people and houses and culture. And we project our internal reality onto that and make that mean what it means to us, which is then reflected back to us for us to believe our beliefs about the external reality. And so with that paradox, then I also got to take that truth of my experience in, you know, back in Oakland of what I made Oakland mean, take that to Denmark. And then as my internal reality was changing in Denmark, I was also changing what was external to me in Denmark. Mm, yep. And now returning back to the States, I've tried, I've tried to do my best to take my experiences of Denmark back to the States and project that into my external reality around me um, to yeah, to keep that going, yeah. uh, to keep that perspective going and to keep moving from that place. And that doesn't mean that I'm, I'm blind to uh, the challenges here in the States. That's not what I'm saying. It does mean that as I'm becoming more and more compassionate, soft, kind, and respectful toward myself, which is part of what I learned to do at a greater ability in Denmark, because the environment was different, trying to take that back to my old environment now is an interesting challenge because I have the old tethers here and I have this new version of who I've become and trying to let those work together to move forward in a different way back here in the United States, yeah. which I will say has been a challenge. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine it is. And there's, you, you said a lot there. I can't wait to go back and listen to that again because <laughs> no, no, it, 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 like this, there was so much that come up for me. And I think one of the mm -hmm. things, because where I was coming from with that question, you, you, you hit it on the head in the sense that um, even, and what I believe I'm hearing you say is like, even though we change our external environments, um, I suppose whether we choose to or we don't choose to, <clears throat> Our inter the ability to change our internal environment is still, you know, quite unquote a choice. And there's still, we still have to do something about it just because we change something externally doesn't mean we're going to change internally. And I suppose just because we change internally, um, we're not going to change externally. And, and that's why I like your analogy with the can canvas, because it's, it's something that I've been playing around with for the last year or two in the sense that coming um, to the belief that, um, yeah, I suppose what I'm seeing externally is very much um, conducive um, and a result as to how I feel internally. Um, and I like that canvas analogy because I, I, I'm thinking I can see, you know, I can see the same thing externally, visually, um, like literally trees, beach, whatever. I can see that exact same thing or, or close to it, obviously nothing's the same, the exact same thing on different days and still have different perspectives um, and perceptions on that thing, um, which is mm -hmm. which is very 
interesting because it, 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 I suppose what I, what I feel is like just because we change our external environment, it doesn't mean things are going to change internally. It means we have the opportunity, which is what you said, um, but we need to know that there's still there's still work, quote unquote, work to be done if we if we choose to. Um, and what was really interesting what you said is how going back to the states how you've been so challenged in you know you, you change that uh, external environment back to something that you knew internally you you know different you've changed whatever and then the interesting part is taking that um, expansion internally into what you were used to externally and, and seeing what happens which is I can imagine um, I can imagine it's challenging, as you said, and I also imagine it's very interesting because you, you've you've come you've come from that place before, so you know how you were. You've got this perception of your head as to how you were when you were living there, and now you're back there, and it's, everything's slightly shifted a little bit inside, um, which is mm. it's, it's really cool, really, isn't it? It's 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 quite interesting how 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 that works. Well, I find it is anyway. Yeah, um, well said. Um... It's really, it's really been interesting and fascinating and especially uh, because of my, how I returned, um, like I said, at the beginning of this, like, there was a, a complete dissolution of my entire life and in all, all senses of that word, except for my life itself. And because of how that returned occurred, uh, I had to incubate myself when I got back. Right. I, I think I was, I, I would classify myself as a recluse for the first three months when I returned back to the States because I was so raw and uh, afraid to be honest, yep. um, afraid to be out in the old environment without the old jator. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't, I didn't, the kind of reconfiguration, I didn't want the reconfiguration to happen in that sense. And so the incubator was processing my emotions, my feelings, my sensations, and giving myself, as you said earlier, which I really appreciated, um, there wasn't pressure. I was lucky enough to be in a situation in which there wasn't pressure for me to rush back out there. I could incubate. I could lick my wounds as a as an analogy. And and then when I did come out, interestingly enough, I had some immediate, very violent experiences in Oakland, and not that I was a part of, but I saw with my own eyes. And there were about five what I would say pretty violent experiences and really trying to hold steady inside of me that yes, that may be the truth of uh, the reality that I'm in now. And how do I work to make that different? Not just for me, mm. but for, for others around me, like what kind of work can I do now that I'm back in this environment in which I do experience there to be a, a higher level of violence that the new me says, you know what? I, I want to do something about that. Yeah. That's awesome. And that's been interesting to get back into 
well, not to get back into, but to get into now coaching youth hockey in Oakland for that specific reason. Okay. It light, it lit the desire to get back to roots of, of behavior, because from my perspective, working with adults, most of my career, I don't, I'm not going to say it's too late, <laughs> but, but we got to start earlier. Yeah. There's a lot and of conditioning embedded. There's a lot of conditioning. <laughs> and yeah. so if I can, if I can get into now what I'm doing uh, as part of my work is working with young 14 year old men, young boys becoming men and really showing up as a different kind of coach and being, you know, taking from all of the work and experience that I have as a an emotional coach in the world and taking that now into my other world, which is hockey and to show up with these boys and help demonstrate what it looks like to be a different kind of male, um, healthy, strong, grounded, alpha and soft, kind, gentle, yeah. understanding, communicative. So that's been a really interesting addition as I've come back. And as I'm speaking this, I think that addition came from my need to hold on to some of what I found in Denmark and create that here back home. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I, I um, got excited when you said about working <laughs> with kids. I think it's awesome that you've been able to take something that you two passions and bring them into one and, and um, most importantly, selflessly um, give back into an area where like we know or everybody I, I suppose knows but i'm a, also a firm believer in the fact that you know that around that age for boys and girls especially these days with what's going on and all the information and stuff like that out there it's and i'm using myself as an example that's it's a pivotal moment in our lives where um you know we can go in a gazillion different directions so having the ability to like you passing on your knowledge and wisdom that you have now to kids at that age like it's yes yeah, it's, it's it's cool to think um it's cool to think how powerful that is and what they can then do like yeah having that knowledge and wisdom at that age you know like not having to wait until a 30s and 40s like <laughs> us <laughs> like that's um that's insane just to to think about it and my brother's done some similar work as well with youth academy kids and stuff like that and he got a lot out of it and i think it's i think it's invaluable to be perfectly honest i think it, and it would be i can imagine it would be fun too because you're coming back to um even though they're not um small children they've still got that childlike nature about themselves which would be um which would be cool um and actually sort of leads me on to the next thing that i wanted to bring up um your you talk a lot about um intuition um i actually I'll, I'll recommend not on purpose but i did your masterclass that you had online uh mm -hmm. is it explore with your tour what was the is the title of the masterclass uh i think it's intuition or instinct yes yep now that makes sense so i did that after we first initially reached out um and had a bazillion questions come up as i was as a intern it was it was really cool um though uh for this um it's probably necessary to keep it um keep it uh basic um i just want to know for myself but definitely for, for other people um 
how we can be how we can begin to in, invite intuition into our lives. Hmm. It's really uh, fun for me that you bring this up because literally yesterday I had a client ask me the same question. Oh, right, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we're having this this really cool dialogue about it. Uh, cool for me. Um, yeah, so uh, one of the things that I invited him to do, uh, interestingly, is a, he was in, in doubt about his intuition. Yep. And... Uh, I asked him a question and the question was, um, client, uh, if you were to guess what's my biggest trauma, he doesn't know me other than I coach him. And he literally hit my biggest trauma on the head with a guess. Wow. And I'm not making this up. This is a hundred percent real. And he... He hit it so perfectly. Um, and when I shared with him that he hit it perfectly, his immediate response was, you're bullshitting me. <laughs> the doubt, <laughs> self-doubt. You're, you're, yeah. yeah. And so the reason why I bring that up is because one of the most challenging things that I've experienced with intuition and people learning to um, trust their intuition again is that there is often a necessity to find the place or the places that you first lost your trust of it. Okay. And most people in my experience have lost their trust of intuition uh, due to an experience in childhood in which their imagination or their creativity or their questions or something was shamed Yep. Not once, but typically on numerous occasions. Okay. And once we feel or buy into the story of shame about our own mystery, shame about our own uh, imagination, shame about our own intuition, we're essentially learning to distrust ourselves and look to the external world to find trust. Mm. And so... Without that exploration, it's typically challenging for people to even believe they're intuitive because for lack of a better, you know, analogy, they've been beat like a horse has they've had a beat out of them. Yeah. Um, inclusive of then after having the experience, sometimes literally, other times metaphorically being beat out of them. Uh, then we take on the role of beating ourselves. Right. And then we beat, continue to beat it out of ourselves for however many years we're on this planet. So that's kind of first piece to just consider as a background subconscious agenda as to why it was lost in the first place. I think roots are often necessary to understand. From a practical standpoint, Something you can do, uh, I believe I shared in that masterclass, maybe, um, that I found really helpful was um, you can get a coin. Uh, in the United States, we have heads and tails on our, on our, 
on our old money <laughs> since we're going to a cashless society soon, right? Same here, same here. <laughs> yeah, so find, find some metal money with a head and a tail or something on it. And then for a minute or so a day, you flip the coin in the air and you call it, call heads, call tails. Let it land on the table and you cover it. But you don't look. You don't look to see whether there's a heads or tails. You'd mentioned this in the masterclass, yes. Yeah, you just pick up the coin and flip again. The point of that is to let yourself start to trust what comes up, what immediately comes up as a guess. And immediately, most people might hear them like, well, what are you talking about? How can I trust that? I need to see what's on the coin. I need to see that my intuition is right. That's already missing the point. It's not this, it's not this literal linear expression. It's often more, at least for me, a, a knowing and learning to trust that knowing inside. And so when you have that guess in the air, not only will you have the guess, typically people will have a sensation, an emotion, or a feeling inside of their body. And you want to pay attention to all of those facets because that's giving you guidance as to what your intuitive faculties feel like. Yeah. The coin game is also not a, a game of life or death because intuition and instinct are, are very closely related. Yeah. Instinct is often about survival and intuition is often about understanding self or aspects of of us that are beyond beyond this linear realm beyond this literal realm that are more in the metaphor paradox creative realms and it's not typically about survival it's typically about everything but survival it's not fight or flight and it's often often excuse me um, it can feel shaming to many of us. And not only is that a potential faculty of our past experiences, back to having it beat out of us and then us beating it out of us. Um, because intuition, as far as I understand and feel it, doesn't float through my ego. It's, it's not interpreted in the same way. It doesn't go through the same distortive processes. It's and knowing that, you know, you don't know how, you know, and because of that bypass, the ego parts can feel extremely shamed or out of control, mm -hmm. which then pushes it further away. Um, so back to my client, when he guessed and he guessed it dead on, I use that as an example of his own intuition and then asked him to continue to do that with people that he's not so emotionally attached to. Okay. The more emotional attachment we have, typically the more we have to hide, which is a, a long story about shame and fear back to our, our childhood. Um, and so the less emotional attachment we have, i.e. strangers, often we can pick up a lot more intuition with strangers and people will often say, well, 
you don't know them. So how could you know? And that's the exact point. I don't have enough story for my ego to really get in the way yet. I have more of my intuitive faculties and I don't have a lot of emotional attachment to uh, opaque uh, my experience or my version of it. Uh, And then you got to practice. And so in my own personal practice as a coach, I get what I would call intuitive hits all the time. Uh, 15 dad and something that happened around sports might come up. Yep. Um, I don't always bring that up depending on where we're at in the session, but if it comes up enough, I will ask the client if it's appropriate for me to share. Sure. It's scary every time. And every time that I've done it, it's been a nail on the head. Now, when I say nail on the head, it doesn't literally mean I guessed heads and pulled up heads. Mm -hmm. This is the other strange thing about intuition is that with a client, I could say 15 and dad. And the client sits back and that hits them. And that, well, I can't, I don't have something at 15, but this, 14 year old moment with my dad came up. Right. Yep. So we often look for this to be like an exact precise science. Yeah. But it's often more what it brings up and the outcome that's available after it comes up that we're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Because um, I'm going to keep using myself as an example with that knowing that's how I explain. That's how I, like mm. to know my own intuition um and i suppose there is yeah that that i definitely find myself looking for an explanation but there's there's not an explanation to look for and so i potentially i can see how myself included but other people could get confused in thinking that it needs an explanation and maybe just knowing that, knowing that it doesn't need an explanation could also be almost like a, a clue as to, um, as to your in- intuition coming through, which is obviously, um, very powerful. I think that's also, I think that's a great, perfect example. I can't believe I asked you that question and, and <laughs> I happen to have a perfect example as of yesterday. <laughs> um, well, the other thing that's interesting for me too, around that, um, is that, Intuition, at least as I experience it, the explanation isn't needed. And even once we're speaking it, it's already being distorted. Mm, Yeah. So it's kind of like if you did trying to explain a a psychedelic trip, you'll never capture that. You might get close with a, a painting or poems often, you know, you look at Rumi or Hafiz, those characters, they can, they get really close to capturing intuition with, with poem or picture, but through just the literal word and literal interpretation of word, it's so distorted that often the beauty of it's lost. Mm, Yeah, I get that. Is that like a, almost in the sense that thinking like most art is somewhat subjective um, and most of what we speak is pretty objective. Like I suppose we can make it objective if we're confused to what we're saying and things like that. Um, 
whereas the art component to it is subjective and that knowing and that intuition is off is, is also what feels to me right now anyway is to be pretty s- subjective yeah i agree it's it's really it's really subjective and because of the way that we're put together in this human body right eyes ears touch taste scent that all of those systems are designed to essentially essentially weed out information if all those systems could take in everything that's going on your system would be completely overwhelmed it's designed to like sift through things so that you can have the experience here and survive and so it's a it's a weed out system it's a distortion system and so once you have that intuitive hit even the speaking of it is already distorting it and then the hearing of it from somebody else is already is also distorting that yep. because they're they're going to have their subjective interpretation of your words yeah yeah which was already and so it it gets really convoluted pretty quickly yeah which i think is really interesting and fun and where i experience my intuition probably most vastly is in my coaching sessions with clients. It's probably where I'm the least defended. I have the least agenda. And uh, as a general theme, I would guess the least of my ego is on to direct what's going on. And that's where I can really tap into it. Uh, and then I would guess in in most of my life outside of coaching sessions as a general theme, I would say that for the most part, I'm probably 80% of the time moving through instinctual uh, reaction internally and then managing that and, that and how I manage that as a choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know how much... Uh, I get intuitive uh, experiences with when I walk into a room and I can feel something's there's the air is dry or something's tense. Right. And it's still a fine line. I don't, it's, it's a fine line between instinct and intuition. It's yes. They're like brother and sister that are twins. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As as you're speaking, I'm thinking of examples again in my head of s- exactly the same thing. Walking in, <laughs> and having that into intuition, and, and it being a very fine line to the point where you, it's like you almost go to say something, and you could miss the mark, or you could be spot on. Mm. It's, it's when you say it, um, it's, it's, wait, can I say one more thing about that? Yes. For for me. <laughs> Uh, one of the reasons why I like to also give voice to it's a fine line intuition and and instinct um, is because I want to be really careful with my words and and what I mean. It's really important to me. Um, it's really important to me that I personally don't use intuition overly uh, to appear as more spiritual or more connected. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's important to me. And it's also important to me to, to remain pretty gray on a lot of topics. Yep. 
uh, and in mystery. Yeah, for sure. It is, um, why do you, why do you think that is for you personally? Cause I'm thinking like where I, again, myself as an example with using intuition and stuff like that, I, and this is on top, on top of the next thing I wanted to ask you about. So I'm kind of probably alluding to it in, in some sense is, um, is yeah the fear and shame around um actually verbalizing it um so because i was going to ask you how do we explore that shame and fear and it's probably answering my confusion around the intuition as far as um that fine line goes because often i'm 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 afraid to share it maybe even with myself but certainly to others in the fear that I'm coming across like I know the answer and that I'm um, better than or, or you should listen to me or I'm more spiritual than you, um, which I don't, that doesn't feel like that's the case for me, but I can, I can see how it would come across that way. Um, so is that, do you think that is the, the shame and the fear that you've, that you've touched on? And, and is there, is that sort of just um, exploring it? Like what's that, the, the power of exploring that shame and fear. Um, yeah, I, I heard a couple questions in there, so I'm, I'm gonna try yeah, to. It was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna try to dance with all of those. Thanks. Um, uh, okay, so let's see. Uh, for me, uh, when I first started this journey around, uh, if we take intuition and instinct out of it and we just say, I started this journey to relearn how to trust myself. Yes. Whether that's intuition or instinct to just trust what comes up inside of me. So, uh, and I'm still in process of that uh, and probably will be for the rest of my life. So deeply learning to retrust myself uh, on a daily basis. And then when I started to recognize the truth of my own intuition, which I believe all humans are intuitive, I think it's a faculty that we all have, um, sight, touch, smell, etc. And just like some of us lose the ability to see or to hear, lots of us lose the ability to intuit. Yes, makes sense. Um, once I started to trust that, and practice that and get in touch with that and recognize that then for me which i'll swing back to the shame and fear started to reduce in terms of sharing it there's yeah. a caveat to that though here's the caveat for me as an example um just yesterday a day or two ago I believe two days ago, I want to be integrous with my word. Um, uh, my partner, I came home and my partner, I felt something was in the air. Yeah. And what I, I approached her after we had talked a little bit and I said, I didn't say I have an intuitive hit. <laughs> And I didn't say I have an instinct. I said, hey, babe, um, I'm feeling like something's in the air. I don't know if it's a projection or truth. 
Yeah, right. I wanted to check in with you. What that does, that language, from my perspective, creates autonomy in the person. And it reduces any perceived arrogance or self-righteousness. And it really throws it up with a question and an acknowledgement of my own BS. Right. Yep. So when I can do that, then uh, any of the shame and fear that I feel about bringing it up, gone. Yeah. At least for me. Um, and my experience of my partner, any of the shame and fear that she feels about whether I'm right or wrong about that is also gone. And in that moment, she said, uh, she smiled and she said, um, she said, I know you're really intuitive and it's kind of a pain in the ass because I can't hide. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. But it wasn't coming from um, uh, an interrogative place. And that's often where it can be experienced if if we're using our instinct or intuition, whichever one it is, to interrogate others or to be pushy, a push on doors that don't want to be opened. Yep. So to give it an example on the same occurrence, if she would have said, um, you know, I, I checked in with myself and no, we're straight. That's your projection. I'd say, okay, cool. And then move on. Yeah. Yep. And, and that, that also comes from a place of me really trusting myself and knowing that I'm a walking projector and a walking meaning maker (laughs) and her trusting herself in my presence, to be honest, and us having a foundation of honesty and integrity uh, as to our relationship so that we've built a relationship on not hiding. And so her word, I I take her at her word. Yeah. You didn't second guess her response, which then created something that is probably nothing. And, you know, right. I could be like, well, no, my intuition is really saying something here and it could just be my projection. And that's what I'm saying about. Yeah, I get it. Once we get it, it can become distorted outwardly. And that's the slippery slope that many of us get into. And then I'm careful with using it outwardly. I don't think from a shame place, which is possible. I I don't want to deny that. Um, For me, I notice a lot of people will use intuition or the word intuition to pedestal themselves or to present themselves as right or all knowing or self-righteous. And that is a, that is a place that I have been many, many times. And it's a place I no longer want to go. I want to really be humble with myself and really come from a very curious, explorative, a discovery position rather than you know my intuition about somebody else is right yeah so i kind of keep my intuition to myself 
<laughs> no, I, I get that. I appreciate that. I, I definitely um, f have found myself even even lately where where I am, it's it's like that self righteousness that I probably am projecting certain things um, and feeling the need maybe because I, I'm start I'm, as I start to uh, practice and feel the intuition more for an, an, a number of reasons. Uh, there's a part of me that often feels like I need to voice it or I, I need to like prove to myself that I am intuitive. That's what it is. I'm, I'm feeling like I need to prove to myself when, when, um, when what, like what you've just said, it's, it's, it's really not about that. And, and if again, using myself as an example, um, um, it's, it's, it's not necessary and I'm, I'm missing the point. I, I can see instances where I've, I've done that lately where I'm missing the point. Um, and it's not, there's no value added in myself, which means obviously not going to be any value added into the pe people that I project mm. onto. So, um, yeah, I'll definitely, um, I'll definitely explore that a little more as far as just, uh, yeah, keep, keeping it to myself, not where, where I feel necessary. Um, do you think that I'm a big believer, probably just my own beliefs and things like that. I try not to offer too much help to people because, you know, I, I don't, if people aren't ready to hear it, it can come. And again, it's probably got to do with my own projection and things like that. I'm aware of it. It can come like I'm trying to rescue the person. Do you, do you as far as offering help goes with the intuition or, or even instincts, the side of things, like, are you a believer in not, saying anything unless someone asks for help and this is probably outside of your clientele because obviously they're, they're there for quote unquote help but maybe outside of that um how do you approach that yeah um two things mitchell i wanted to share i'm gonna offer an opinion mm -hmm. um with what i heard you say about your own intuition yeah and it's just my shitty opinion so take take what you will of it um, um, I'd invite you not to hide your intuition, okay. Uh, but I'd invite you to invite people into it, okay. Like, hey, I, I, I got this intuitive. Hit. I think it's an intuitive hit, or this came in, or however you want to name it. Yeah. And are you interested? I'm putting it on the table. Then you're giving the person their power of autonomy to make the decision, which yeah. is such a different place. It's so um it can be so much softer. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So I would, uh, the power of questions is, I mean, is, is profound. Um, but if we consider that questions are uh, feminine in energy, not in gender or sex, I get confused by these now, um, feminine in energy. And uh, as in they invite in answers. Mm. Um, they're inviting yes. and um, answers can often be experienced as pushy or masculine in energy. So if I'm, for me, when I want to share something like that, like with my partner, I asked her the question and that opened the space up Yep. rather than just, I have, you're not feeling right. I have an intuitive hit. Yeah, you're almost acute. acute. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so just as an invitation and consideration. Oh, I appreciate it. Yep.
Um, and then, yeah, offering help. Um, okay. So of course there's nuance to this. I, I will say that in my experience, uh, unless I'm asked, uh, I'm just talking to a closed door anyway. Gotcha. And it's, um, I, I like sci-fi and horror, horror, um, you know, a vampire, right? A vampire can't come into your home unless he's invited in. Yeah. Um, people need to invite you in to these places because often where uh, maybe there is um, something that's amiss, somebody's having a struggle with something, uh, there is often perceived trauma, perceived wounding or literal trauma or wounding or emotional trauma or wounding, et cetera. Those places are typically bound with shame and fear to a certain extent and often with a lot of hidden shame. Yeah. And so when we're pushing on those places, if we're not invited it's a really interest. It can be a really interesting dance because we could actually be eliciting more shame and fear in the person about said issue if we're pushing on it. Because not all issues are ready to be pushed on. Like when I'm coaching with somebody, um, let's say as a metaphor, the person has a thousand doors of pain. And I'm, I'm during coaching session, I'm knocking on different doors. Not every door is going to open because not every door is ready to open. The door that's ready to open, they will open and then we will step in together. And then the ability for that to have a, a healing experience is going to be much higher because I've taken you in and I'm by me taking you in, I'm saying, I'm okay with you seeing my shame and my fear. I'm okay with you seeing me at this level of door. Yeah. And each door, let's say if it was, you know, linear, which it isn't, but let's just say it is. There may be doors way, way, way down there that you may know how to fix, mm -hmm. but they're so bound in hidden shame and fear that by pressing on that door, it's just going to drive it deeper and yeah. deeper and yeah. deeper so it's an old old saying of meeting people where they're at yeah i've heard paul paul check say that a mm -hmm. number of times it's very true i love your analogies i love that the door one's great it's it's very true thinking about it now like and, and even people asking myself questions at times you know you, you yeah you could you get confused and well sorry you not get confused but you you're talking to a closed door aren't you you know what i mean that they can hear you through a closed door but they're not actually, the door's not open and they're not ready for uh, obviously a number of reasons to converse back and forth. Yeah. With an there, there's another place that I've experienced too, which I have a lot of fun with. Yeah. <laughs> which is, I get a lot of questions. Yeah. And, and um, sometimes they'll be from people that are, are close to me, emotionally close to me. And often when I get a question from someone emotionally close to me, I say, are, are you sure you want the answer? <laughs> and not the answer, like I have the answer, 
but are you sure you want my opinion <laughs> as a check-in? Because um, yeah, man, there's a lot of painful stuff. Yeah. And because many of us are so driven by our, our hidden shame and don't know it, we could actually ask questions and very interesting to seduce someone to give us the answer to hurt us so we can get mad at them. Mm. It's really interesting. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. yeah it's <laughs> almost like, uh, yeah, you, 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 you're saying something through the door with almost the intention or wanting them to open that door and, and yell at you and, or, you know, throw, throw a punch so that you can then throw a punch back and or yell. So I can see how it's a, Again, it's a, it's a fine line, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Back, back to your original question on this stream, which I think was about, you know, the shame and fear about intuition and how do we um, help to manage that or um, managing is not the right word, but to uh, process it and then to integrate it. One of the most profound things that I, I've experienced that we can do is it's to simply back to our intuition is to guess, okay, how old was I when I first experienced the loss of my intuition? Or how old was I when I experienced my first uh, pile of shame? And pay attention to whatever number comes up. Okay, seven comes up. Okay. So one of the first things we can do is we can then deeply ask ourselves, okay, what would a seven-year-old need? Well, a seven-year-old probably wouldn't need to be fixed. Mm. A seven-year-old probably wouldn't need to be told what to do. A seven-year-old probably wouldn't need to be told what he's doing wrong and to do it differently. A seven-year-old might need acknowledgement, presence, time, patience, and over time might need to know that no matter how he or she is feeling, we're still going to be there. Yeah. So if people really start to watch how they talk to themselves all the time, you're going to see a really clear picture of how you parent yourself all the time. And how most of us parent ourselves all the time is typically based on how we experienced ourselves to be parented by our parents as children. That narrative, I'll offer an opinion that I'm pretty stuck to, has to change. Mm. Because going back to the seven-year-old and saying, you don't have anything to be afraid of. You should be intuitive. Use your intuition freely. The seven-year-old is going to look at you and say, uh, you're 34, whatever 34 minus seven is. Yo, You've been telling me the exact opposite story for how many years that is. I don't trust you as far as I can throw you. Yeah. Good luck with your BS stories. Yeah. And so the, the learning how to reparent ourselves takes time and patience. And if we use that, those pillars as, a, as our agenda, okay, acknowledgement, presence. I'm not here to change this part of me. I'm here to be with this part of me and learn to understand this part of me and 
slowly rebuild trust with this part of me uh, is going to go much further in the integrated process than trying to change that part of you because change already implies to that inner child, something's wrong with you. We've already been told something's wrong with us a billion times. Exactly. Yeah, no, it's 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 very true. Uh, the rebuilding the trust is a big thing I've taken away from this conversation. I imagine to be something that I sit with and it starts to unfold even more and more because it's 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 so true. Like there's there's trust in certain areas, but I can definitely see there's definitely um, uh, a lack of trust and dishonesty in other areas. And I can see where just not rather than exactly what you just said, rather than having the need or even the want to change it just accepting it for what it is and, and, um, and, and moving through it as it comes through, which is, which is going to be big for every, everyone, isn't it? It's, in, it's an intense It's one. been big for me. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. This, 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 this work, um, this, it's an interest of, of mine. It's, uh, something in the last few years I've just, um, I've really learned to accept and actually embrace the fact that it's, it's never, ever going to stop in however many lifetimes it takes and it's, it's actually the fun part of it like it's actually a lot more fun for me knowing that um you know i just i keep get to diving into this um mm. this kind of stuff it's 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 never ending because there's so many everybody has their own opinion there's a million different ways of doing a bazillion different things and it's i don't know it's just it's, it's awesome it's awesome to hear um I want to, I just want to, I only got a couple more questions and mindful of time um, because I find you to be a very interesting character. I'm interested to know um, it doesn't have to be a big thing. can be anything really. You, you, you'll take it away as you need to. What's a belief system that you've been challenging um, yourself on recently that you've, that you've not fully um, embodied or um, come to a conclusion if, if for lack hmm. of a better Yeah, what a great question. Um, I think this started to sprout uh, maybe three or four months ago. I was on a podcast and, and someone asked me this question, not this exact question, but the question that they asked sparked this okay. uh, belief system challenge. <laughs> um, so I have... I have historically been pretty bought into the idea that where our greatest learnings are is suffering. Okay. Yes. And um, where I've learned the most about myself is suffering. Yeah. And while I still subscribe to that in some regard, uh, the last three months of my life, uh, I've been having as profound learnings uh, through the opposite of suffering. I don't know if that would be joy or excitement, um, but I, I, I have um, a, a partner who stepped into my life that uh, everything that comes up between us is, is traversed with like a really deep intimacy, a really deep vulnerability, uh, inclusive of the joyous experiences are peeled apart and talked about and 
I'm finding just as much information and insight through joy and pleasure, mm -hmm. uh, which I would have historically said BS to. Yeah. And I've been fascinated for quite a while about, uh, you know, in, in psychology as an example, why the, the exploration is often um, of something that's wrong yeah. or perceived wrong. And can we also learn as much through what's perceived as right or positive? And I think there's a healthy balance between the two. And I'm, I'm really enjoying the insights that I'm getting through um, these more positive experiences. Not to say that I don't still have the challenging experiences. Of course I do. And of course there's insights to be learned there as well. Uh, but but maybe because of the amount of time that I've spent um, exploring suffering and will continue to, um, uh, there's, a, there's a saying I heard along the way, which I've always appreciated and really has stood out to me and has been a guiding light for me. And that is uh, the way that we find ourselves eventually becomes the way we lose ourselves. I haven't heard that before. Let's see. <clears throat> and I have no idea where I heard it. Yeah. I don't know who said it. I just know I picked it up along the way. And that has really kept me rooted in, in mystery and fun and exploration and challenging my own beliefs and belief systems and wanting to continually explore every facet crevice and nuance that I can about myself. Yeah. That's that means shifting towards exploring through positivity. Oh, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to go do that too. Yeah. That's, that's awesome, man. That's beautiful. I'm so glad I asked that question because um, that is literally something of that. Um, what you just touched on there about learning through suffering and it, like being the only way of of learning is something I've had in my head um, and tried to listen to my heart quite recently and for the last few years in thinking and coming to a similar conclusion, but not the way you said it, which is which is great because I was like, like, does there have to be suffering? I, I, I recognise that there is suffering, and that is, that is truly fine. And 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 like you've just said. So glad that you said it. Is that yes, there is suffering. There is going to be suffering. Um, the opportunity there is an opportunity. But now, no, no, what you just said, there is obviously there's. I don't know why I haven't thought of it in that way. Like obviously, there's opportunity in whatever the opposite is. Like you said, if it, if it is joy, like why why can't there be? You you know what I mean? I I don't know. Maybe it's because there's been so much suffering f for so long as a civilization i'm not sure and maybe because we're, we're we're fortunate these days even though not everybody is and safety most people are safe and stuff like that we're able to come into that uh, i don't think next level of consciousness is the right word but just having the ability to to be aware that we can choose <laughs> i can now go ahead and next time i feel that joy or whatever it is 
what, what am I, what can I learn about that? Like that's mm-hmm. like, that's pretty cool, isn't it? <laughs> it's because that, that, then it means it's always there, isn't it? There's always, there's always opportunity. However, we, right. however <laughs> we want to, however we want to see it whenever we're ready. No, I appreciate that. That's a, that's a beautiful answer. Thank you. Um, and, and trying to framework that for me is like, Mm, really being careful of not salivating over one or the other because we can. Yes. Right. We can salivate over suffering being the way to find value and insight. Mm-hmm. And then for some of us, we could salivate then over positivity or whatever the opposite of that is as value and insight. And like to let them both, as you said, to let them both be places where we get to learn about self. And, and yeah. I'm really appreciating that. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that as well because I could easily go away now and put too much emphasis on the learning of the joy and thinking that <laughs> no learning in the suffering and it's not adding any value. Which I'm not saying that's what I think, but like, I, yeah, it's 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 important to recognize that. No, that's great, man. Um, the I also um I've been asking the guests just just one last question, which is in line with the the theme or the title of the podcast, um, and that is what does the present moment mean to you? Wow. Uh, what does the present moment mean to me? Peace, calm, necessity, purpose. An out breath, relaxed, release, trust. Trust. I like that. I like how you put it into very purposeful words and I can I can appreciate all of them and I can imagine they're appreciated by other people, certain words and certain things, but that's 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 a great answer. I appreciate that. It's yeah. a it's a tough question, isn't it? <laughs> Our present moment can mean many different things depending on that present moment. So the beauty of it, yes. there's no, there's no right and wrong. I just, I just really enjoy that. that that's that curiosity part of me, the opinion of others and, and the simple fact that there's, I don't think there could ever be the same answer to that question as simple, simple quote unquote, as simple as it might seem. It's, it's mm. you know, going to mean a lot and different things to different people which is which is cool i love it um okay Jutor, i really do appreciate your time um i mean i've learned a lot so i can only imagine other people are learning a lot um from this podcast i'm actually very interested to go back and re-listen to it again which will be cool um but to finish if you could just let people know where they can find you please and um what you're offering at the moment that would be that would be great yeah, com. I have a, a newsletter there. I have a couple courses. I have the intuition or instinct free. I have um, joy to jealousy or jealousy to joy, other way around, uh, which is a three-hour class, uh, a deep dive into some emotions, which I, I really enjoy. Um. And in February 20th, I'll be launching uh, Illuminate, which is a, a coaching program uh, online. 
uh, that I'm excited to offer. And I think this will be, I don't know, somewhere around my 10th or 15th online offering and, and coaching online and taking a group through. Uh, it's one of my favorite things to do is to help others uh, help themselves and to learn to coach in their own way and uh, have some um, experiences and deep dives and lots of exploration into the topics, some of the topics that we've talked about today, uh, but how to do that with someone else and how to how to guide that ship, not to become a Jator uh, crony, but to become your own version uh, of, of who you want to be as a coach or as a person and take, take the nuggets that I got and uh, the ones that you don't find as nuggets leave behind and the ones that you do take with you. Yep. So super excited to offer that. Uh, my YouTube channel is at Explorer and my Instagram is at Jator Pierre. Those are all the places. Thank you, Jator. Um, I didn't ask you, but I will just to double check to make sure that there's nothing else that come up for you um, that you wanted to mention. If there's anything, does, there doesn't have to be, of course. I just wanted to give you the opportunity if, if there was anything. Connection got dropped. Uh, when I asked Jator that question. So I asked him uh, when the connection come good again, what it was that he had to share. And what he had to share was for everyone to be kind to themselves uh, so that we can be kind to others. Um, and I think that's a pretty good note to end on for the fact that um, I know myself, if I'm, not, if I'm not kind to myself, first then I... I'm not able to be kind to others. So I'm sure we all want to be kind to others. Um, and it's often seems a little bit easier than it is to be kind to ourselves. Um, but I'm going to give it a try. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe wherever your ears choose to listen and leave a review if this podcast has helped broaden that horizon. I'd love to hear from you and what you got out of this episode. Stay weird. Be yourself, and above all, remember to step over the ants.